I want to tell you something, and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life. From innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition, to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory, I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I want to thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our Plant Strong milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things Plant Strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support and please stay tuned for exciting updates at planstrong.com. I need to give an update on one of our most popular Plant Strong products, and that's the Rips Big Bowl cereal that has, oh, it kills me, that has been out of stock for a few months. And this is because back in March, when California was hit with torrential flooding, our manufacturing partner was literally underwater. The levee broke. They had flooding like they've never had in almost 60 years. And we had just shipped all of our ingredients and fresh bags ready to be produced when the storm hit. And it took weeks before the workers were even able to return to work and sort through all the damage. Well, we just got the good news that everything has been restored. Our fresh ingredients have been delivered and an all new batch of Rip's Big Bowl cereals are headed our way this week. Yes. If you want to be first to know when these hit our shelves, head over to plantstrongfoods.com and enter your email to unlock 10% off your first order. And that will ensure that you get the announcement when these super popular cereals are back in stock. I want to thank you all so much for your patience. And believe me, no one... <laughs> has been missing the big bowl more than me. I'm Rip Esselstyn and welcome to the Plant Strong podcast. The mission at Plant Strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, 
and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plan Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. I want to welcome you to a very special episode of the Plan Strong podcast with two pioneering physicians, Drs. Matt Lederman and Alona Polte. If their names aren't altogether familiar, their body of work certainly will be. Matt and Alona pioneered the medical program that was shown in the film Forks Over Knives, and after the popularity of that groundbreaking film, they went on to co-author multiple books, including The Forks Over Knives Plan and The Whole Foods Diet that they wrote with former Whole Foods CEO John Mackey. Today, we're going to discuss their latest book called Wellness to Wonderful, Nine Pillars for Living Healthier, Longer, and with Greater Joy. Through a comprehensive and beautiful combination of Eastern, Western, and lifestyle medicine practices, Matt and Alona work with their patients to wake up every day thinking, my life is wonderful. And they do this through private sessions, support groups, and courses on nutrition, non-violent verbal communication, or NVC, spirituality, weight loss, and much more. But this isn't your average 10-minute doctor's appointment. Wellness to Wonderful is a complete life paradigm shift, and you'll even hear me get a little vulnerable myself today. There's so much wonderful content to unpack, but I focus the vast majority of our conversation around nonviolent communication and connection with my family because I truly believe that communication and connection is the key to a wonderful life. So with that, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Matt and Alona. Let's take it away. All right. Well, let's kick this off. So Matt and Alona, well, I should say Matt Lederman, Alona Poldate, welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. I don't think I've ever had you on before, have I? I don't think so. No, no. And that is a crying shame, an absolute <laughs> crying shame considering how far we go back. And I think for both of us, you know, something that really helped put a stake in the ground for us and set our careers was the documentary Forks Over Knives. Yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to what, 2011, right? When that was first launched? Yeah, I think we started talking to Brian, I want to say 2009 even. But by the time it came out, right, I think it was closer to end of 2010, 11. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly right. And, um, and then, of course, you guys uh, from Forks Over Knives, you guys got the invitation from John Mackey, just like I did, to come work with Whole Foods. Right. Yep. <laughs> and same trajectory. I know. I know. It's nutty. And then while at Whole Foods, tell let let the audience know what did you do for Whole Foods for almost a decade? <laughs> yeah. So we worked with Whole Foods um, to establish medical and wellness centers that were that had merged both conventional medicine and nutrition and lifestyle medicine, which was an absolute joy to participate in as a physician. 
Um, and there was, you know, the physicians and health coaches and really a lot of support around how to treat chronic disease differently. A lot using nutrition and lifestyle over pills and procedures where that was applicable and it's, as you know, um, always a joy for someone in the medical field to actually see their patients getting better. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And and before you got the invitation to kind of head up this medical and wellness center at or centers at Whole Foods, you guys had your own kind of concierge uh, medicine. And we saw some of that in Forks Over Knives with you guys basically taking Lee Fulkerson, right? The, 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 the director who somehow or another was like, well, gosh, darn it all. Let me go through this program. And it was crazy. What happened? Can you, just as a reminder for the listeners that didn't see Forks Over Knives or don't remember it entirely, what happened with Lee Fulkerson? Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun because as you're filming, you're expecting to, you know, you're working with, you know, let's say Joey, right? Or we're working and you're, but everybody's watching right behind the scenes. And they're like, oh, the information that we're telling Joey is getting into everybody else. Right. So then they start doing little things at home saying, hey, I have some of those same problems. I'd like to have some of those same results too. You know, and then they say, hey, maybe I'll try it. So it was, it was really fun to see the camera crew and the director and everybody to start trying it on themselves too. That's how inspired they were. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned Joey, Joey, a coin, wasn't that his last name? Joey, a coin. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, just seeing like their, all these symptoms improve. I mean, uh, Lee's diet, he'll be the first to tell you at the time was, you know, Coca-Cola and trash. It was so bad. <laughs> oh my God. So it was nice. Cause it was pretty easy to make impactful changes and see, and see that impact pretty quickly. You know, the, the, the sicker you are, the heavier you are, the worse you feel, yeah. the the quicker and and the greater magnitude of the the changes, right? There's a more contrast to see. So it's really fun. You know, some people will say, Oh, am I too far gone? And I'll say, No, you're perfect. We're gonna get fantastic, <laughs> uh, uh, we're gonna get fantastic yeah. testimonials from you. You know, like that was because it's it's so powerful to feel better all of a sudden and relatively quickly. Yeah. No, there's so is there ever such a thing as somebody that's too far gone. <laughs> if you're still, if you're still breathing, there's still work to do, right? Like <laughs> we can, we can do something. So it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Even no, even at you know older age, right? Like people are, you know, seventies, eighties, right? Like they can still feel better. Not only can they improve the, you know, the their longevity, but more importantly, their quality of life for the remaining years that they have. So even in you know the last decades of your life, it's worth making changes. I think in Forks Over Knives, that was one of the more impactful moments for me even was when I think it was Evelyn, I believe it was her name, basically got that directive from her physician to go sit in her rocking chair and let time pass until she died, right? And that's as far gone as you can get in the conventional system. Like there's nothing more we can do for you. And nutrition lifestyle were able to turn it around. So really great example of how that can happen. And it can happen again and again and again. That's what's beautiful about adopting these changes is that the results are truly consistent. Yeah. 
You know what? Thanks for bringing up Evelyn. <clears throat> Evelyn was uh, was one of my father's patients, as you guys remember. And exactly, she was told to go home and, you know, basically rock in a rocking chair, get her affairs in over affairs in order. And she basically was not given a year to live, and she was alive a good fifteen plus years after that. Yeah, by, how amazing! By following the uh, you know this protocol, Matt and Alona. I want to know, because you guys still look inc- incredibly young and radiant. And so what was it that drew you guys like from medical school towards this more kind of lifestyle medicine? Because it seems like back when you were doing it, it wasn't even a thing. It didn't even have a name like lifestyle <laughs> medicine, right? I mean, now it's a thing. And I think in large part because of you guys being such, you know, trailblazers, but like, what was it about you that allowed you to go down this path? Yes. So I remember reading a book and a little bit through that book and I was a a resident, I think, yeah, sometime in my training. Right. And I was following with a bunch of my other, you know, resident friends, medical resident friends, we were doing the Atkins diet. And I remember going and getting, chicken and ranch dressing in the cafeteria and we're all sitting there and that's what we thought was going to end people were losing weight a little bit and and i i mean i felt terrible but i didn't know how bad i felt until i read this book and i said halfway through i think it's gonna make me be vegan and i go i was like really nervous about that but i said boy they're making it sound really awesome that you're gonna feel really amazing and the way i am i've always been like this where i try something on myself to prove it wrong Mm -hmm. If I don't want to do it, but I can't just pretend it doesn't exist. So that's when I tried to eat rice and beans for a week just to see what would happen. And I felt fantastic. And I was like, oh, boy, I feel good. <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to be vegan. So then I then I said, well, I came up with another excuse. I said, you're not going to get enough protein. What was the book that you read that got you kind of uh, fired up? Can you remember? It was, it was a, one of those natural hygiene books, I think. Um, okay. So it wasn't about, McDougal or the, no, it was not, I didn't even know about any of any of them. Wow. Um, and then I tried, I said, well, I'm going to get out of this diet one way or another. And I said, it doesn't have enough protein. And then I think I read a book by, was it Brenda Davis maybe? Yeah. And I said, okay, great. I'm going to, I can get enough protein. That's not, that's that now I'm really struggling for excuses, but I'm not getting enough calcium. So I came up with another excuse. And then sure enough, I looked that up and I'm like, wow, you can get enough calcium. I'm like, I'm really, I'm really struggling here, guys. You know, so then I said, well, I'm not gonna be able to make this taste good. I can't live off of rice and beans for a week or for the rest of my life. And it doesn't taste, you know. Yeah. So I got a vegan cookbook and it took me five hours to find all the ingredients in the store because I never bought these ingredients before and it took me all this time to cook this vegan French toast. I'm like, holy cow, this is delicious. And I said, <laughs> so I ran out of bullets in my gun. I had to put the gun down. I couldn't shoot down the, the diet anymore. I couldn't find any excuses. And I said, all right, I'm going to do it. But I still said, I'm going to give myself an out. I said, if I'm going to eat animal products, if I can't figure out a way to make the diet, the, you know, this plant-based diet taste good, I'll use the animal products as a last resort instead of a first resort. And I haven't needed them since. But that was really the, so I never had to say I can't do it. But I'm not going to just use it as a first resort. It's a last resort. What year, Do you remember like what year that was that you first got? I want to say like mid, early, mid 2000s. Uh huh. Uh huh. Early. Yeah. Something like somewhere around there. I can't even remember. And my friends, I remember my friends thought I was crazy. All of a sudden I said, 
I'm vegan. And they're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> they thought I found religion. And I was like, no, no, you got to read these books. And they didn't want to read the books. But then I started, you know, same thing with the medical, all the medical data that I was learning. Because then I found McDougal and Campbell and yeah. Esselstyn, right? And, and then I said, wow, I thought everybody else was going to be as excited as I was to learn all about all these answers. And I was surprised that they weren't. Yeah. And that was when I first got my taste of what they were saying in the books was actually true in real life, that you, know, you can't look to a conventional system to heal you and fix you. There's going to be people that think outside the box, but you have to do what you can on your own to heal yourself. Yeah. And, you know, everybody else come around when they're ready. Yeah. And then at some point, didn't you also go and do a stint or uh, some time at the McDougal program and you learn from John McDougal and the, some of the patients that he had there? Yeah. Yeah. One of our greatest yes, mentors. He is absolutely one of our greatest mentors. We spent a lot of time in his immersion programs and um, he was gracious enough to let us see, you know, his patients and uh, really mentor us and and it's been yeah that was super impactful yeah Yeah, he was he was amazing he would i would come up with a question and he would say go grab my you know the mcdougal plan book look at page 98 and there's your answer paragraph yeah and i would go back and i said oh my god it's right there how does he remember like he had this mind that could remember data like nobody I've ever seen before yeah and the studies i'd pull up the studies and i'd read them and it would take you know it takes a while but Everything he would say was in there. Right. And I'm like, but people aren't reading this stuff. So he was, I mean, really an amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. Well, he certainly is a stickler for the data. No, no <laughs> doubt about that. Alona, what about you? I mean, were you, were you guys weren't married yet or were you? No, no. Um, so did I, Matt drag you, drag you kicking and screaming into this lifestyle or how did that happen? He definitely introduced it. For me, it was a little bit more of a a tragic journey. I was in medical school, having already done uh, Chinese medicine for several years. Um, And and can I stop you? Can I stop you? Medical. So Chinese medicine. Why? What? What about your background or whatever had you looking towards that? You know, looking out that lens at Chinese medicine. Yeah, I was drawn to medicine pretty young and like just I love the idea of being a healer and really being able to help people. It was just a passion that resonated so deeply. And but the more that I kind of delved into the conventional medical system, the more I felt like this is not really delivering what I I want to do. I I you know, there's so much reductionism and siloing and at that same time, I was introduced to traditional Chinese medicine. And what I loved about it was they saw the whole person. And it was, you know, if they're treating you, Rip, it's not going to be the same as if they're treating Matt. You guys are different people having different issues. Even if you show up with the same exact symptoms, there's a whole other story about you as an individual person. And they treat that. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, and so that whole philosophy really resonated with me and it was really an integration of mind body, um, as well. So your emotions play a role in your physical state and, um, and a lot of, of balance seeking. And I really liked it and I wanted to actually pursue that, but my mentor there knew me better than I knew myself, I guess. And she, she had studied in China learning both East and West. 
And she told me all along my studies, you're never going to be satisfied just knowing Eastern medicine. At one point in time, you're going to jump into Western medicine. You're going to need it to complete your picture. And she was right. <laughs> um, and so I, I went back to medical school. But in my second year of medical school, my father passed away suddenly of a heart attack. And it was completely unexpected and absolutely devastating. And I couldn't piece together. He was basically on a Mediterranean diet. He had high cholesterol, but was on a statin. How old was he? He was 55. He switched from beef to chicken and fish, like his doctor said, and, you know, all this stuff. And I couldn't wrap my head around, how did that happen? How did that happen? You know, I know Eastern medicine, I'm studying Western medicine. I can't piece together what happened here. Um, and when I met Matt, he was already traveling that journey. And he introduced me to Dr. McDougall and Dr. Campbell, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Furman. And the more I delved into what they were doing, I understood like he wasn't getting the right advice at all. Um, of course, what happened could have happened, you know? And so um, that was really eye-opening. And, and then we spent time at Dr. McDougall's immersions and seeing people get better over 10 days, things that I couldn't do as a physician ever, <laughs> probably, you know, he's doing in 10 days, um, was amazing. So it was kind of a no brainer. So you, you mentioned your, your father and that tragedy and in reading, and we're going to get to this, but in reading your new book, wellness to wonderful, which is absolutely wonderful, absolute gem. You, you, you mentioned that I think you met, you were, you were kind of numb after your father passed away. And I believe it was in the ICU. Um, and this may not be the same time. And you were just completely disheartened, just in a bad way. And you looked up and you saw this, these, the kind doe eyes of, of Matt there. And he was very empathetic. And is that how you met Matt? Yes. yes. Really? Yes. So will you, yeah. would you mind telling that story? And I know it's one that you tell in Wellness <laughs> to Wonderful uh, under one of the pillars, but since you brought up your father, I think it's perfect that you talk about that and, and meeting Matt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a favorite story, so I'm happy to retell it. Um, but not only was I, you know, after what happened with my dad, I really, I wanted to just get out of medical, I just wanted to get out of the medical system. I was so disheartened. Um, and on top of that, I was having a particularly awful day in the ICU. Um, and I'm sitting, writing a note, just feeling like, oh my God, this is just, this is terrible. This is awful. Every, everything felt awful. And I look up and there's Matt and he's just, there was this calm serenity about him and quiet strength. And he just looked into my eyes and he was like, it's the ICU can be really hard. And it's, you know, that challenge and that empathic presence of like, oh my God, he gets me. I don't even know him. And mm. he's like getting it, you know, and it just, felt really supportive. And it, it was the first time that I actually 
felt anything <laughs> for a very, very long time. And that was really impactful. I remember actually going home and calling my mom and saying, oh, you know what? I met this guy and he was just so huh. nice. Um, yeah. Matt, where do you where do you get that calmness from? Where where does that uh uh it's a it's a constant work in progress. <laughs> 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 you know, I have a I have a drive, a type A intensity, you know, there's an intensity there and then there's also the ability to soften into mm. presence and compassion. So it's just this it's this it's this balance and I you know, I remember seeing Alona and, you know, wanting to go over and talk to her. You know, it was just there was a, a draw. You know, sometimes you get that, mm. just that sense or that feeling and you're drawn to somebody. So I just, you know, I just went over to her and wanted to talk to her. You know, it was that simple. But were there any uh, phone numbers exchanged or because or, <laughs> how did you find each other again after that? It was interesting. Um for those that believe in fate, I was not really loving. I was a hospitalist at that point and looking, we were, you know, to start and get out of conventional medicine and start our own practice. And, and I was usually on time, if not like a couple minutes late, because I didn't love being there. But I happened to be there early. Right. And I was walking in and then Alona. This who, is on a separate on a separate occasion. occasion. So we didn't exchange numbers then. And, but we just said, you know, just who knew what was going to happen, right? But then Alona, at the same time, I was walking in a little bit early, which was very unusual. Alona was leaving her rotation late, which was also unusual because she usually left a couple minutes early or right on time to get <laughs> out of there because she didn't love being in the conventional system either. So she happened to leave, be early, right? Or she happened to be leaving early and I happened to be coming in and right. And we crossed paths and then I got her number. Then I was like, hey. <laughs> I can't mess around. I can't, you know, I can't take any more chances. So <laughs> I, uh, it was, we had truly, on it. truly meant to be. That's, that's so how I, that's how I think about it. Cause that was very unusual to just, I mean, we literally like right ran into each other. Yeah. So you guys, you found this kind of lifestyle medicine. It's very, you know, at the time was very unconventional. You kind of, I think have figured out all the pieces of that puzzle for the, for the most part. Um, and I, I think we're always, all of us are a work in progress and we're always learning, but you guys have taken it to a whole nother level now, I think with your, your, your non-violent communication and the polyvagal therapy and some other things that I think really are, you know, in reading Wellness to Wonderful now are really completing the, the whole puzzle. And so that's what I'd love for us to talk about for, for the remainder of this show is your new book, your discoveries. How, how can we here, our, the listeners, actually have a, li a life that is truly wonderful? Because I bet you if we truly were to go out there and ask 100 people, is your life wonderful? Maybe, maybe five people would say their life is wonderful. I think most of us are not living a wonderful life. You know, we're, we're living this, this mindset of scarcity, this fear-based mentality, as you guys talk about in the book. So tell, help me out here. Where, where should we start this conversation? Yeah, so there's a couple places to start. 
One is this idea of either, you know, the binary life is wonderful or it's not. It's more this dynamic. There's moments that are I'm in that state of wonderful and there's moments where I'm I'm struggling. Right. So this idea of how to redefine optimum health and what do we mean by wonderful? Um, I'd love to talk about that. And also the nutrition you know, we spend all of our time trying to simplify something that the, the biggest obstacle is all the complexity and noise. Mm. So to me, we'll tell people nutrition's pretty simple. There's five key food groups, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, which include your starchy vegetables, legumes and nuts and seeds. Eat as many of those foods as you can as possible until you're satisfied. Eat whenever you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. And then if you're not going to eat those five food groups, make dishes using those five food groups as ingredients. That's it. Yeah. Bam. End of story. (laughs) Right. The bigger problem is I know what to do, but I can't do it. Or I know it. How do I get people to actually put those five food groups into their mouth? Right. That's the challenge. It's not, what do I do? It's how do I get myself to do it and do it over and over again for the rest of my life? So I think that right now, everybody it's, there's a lot of complexity and noise out there, which is confusing people. And sometimes when it's as simple as we make it, they almost don't want believe us. Mm. Like it's, it's got to be more complicated. Like someone asked me, what is more, what is healthier, a green apple or a red apple? <laughs> and, I, and I laughed and I said, what, ap- what, what do you like better? And they said, red apples. I said, those are healthier for you then. And they said, why? I said, because you're going to eat more of them. <laughs> right. That's what's healthy. You know, what, what, what do you, you know, but they're like, no, no, no. Let me tell you about all the antioxidants in the green skin compared to the red skin. And I was like, that's that summarizes the challenge that we're dealing with out there. So I want to so I want to make clear, like the nutrition is so important, but so we're not trying to say it's it's not important by expanding. We're basically saying, hey, there's a lot of a lot of energy on this. There's a lot of people supporting this. And to us, it's clear what to do now. What's preventing us from doing it? So that was sort of the impetus, right? Yeah, because I think that's the key, right? It's what prevents us from, a lot of us know, we know we should sleep, you know, we know we should get an adequate amount of sleep. We know we should include movement in our daily living. We know we should eat a healthy diet and that plant-based foods are the most health promoting. Like we know that, but still we're not able to sustain or maintain those Um, health parameters or health activities to promote our health. And so the question then becomes why? And uh, many of these nine pillars then explain why you're not actually able to make those lifelong sustainable changes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I love quotes. And you guys have some of the best quotes that kind of launch every chapter. So for ex- for example, you know, chapter 2 is getting out of survival mode and the the quote that starts the whole chapter out is the trouble with life in the fast lane is that you get to the end in an awful hurry. And and, and how many of us are living life in the fast lane and you know before you know it your your kids are out of the house, they're in college, you're in your 70s, you're retired, and it's like, wow. Like, for example, myself, I can't believe how fast the last decade has gone. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, um, and I, wish, I, I wish I would have been more present and slowed it down and done a lot of things differently. 
And in mm. in in reading your book, it's it's really I think going to give me some of the tools to allow me to slow down, be present, learn a really more beneficial form of communication, not only with my wife but with my children, and it's just going to be like a game changer. So I, I'd I'd love to talk about all this. Why don't we do this to help me guide this this conversation? Um, can I just say before you do that, I just want to appreciate you, Rip, that I love one of the qualities I love about you is how open you are and you have the humility to say, here's what I know and here's what I don't and here's what I want to learn and here's what I want to improve. That your ability to do that is so key, mm. I think, to, to getting closer to that life is wonderful or living that life is wonderful experience right that i just think that it's 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 more rare than i wish and i just want to take a chance to or a moment to acknowledge that (laughs) well thank you very much um yeah here here's here's one chapter six you start off with it's it's a new perspective on chronic disease and this is a quote from albert einstein the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe i mean and and how many times have we been in this spectacular mood and everywhere we go, it seems like everybody's like in a good mood and everything's great. You're, you're having a bad day and everybody's in a bad mood. You're giving the finger, you're talking, you know, in a, in a hostile way to people. I mean, it's, I mean, do you agree with that? Yes. Yes. I mean, a hundred percent and how you show up sort of is affects the lens of how you see the world, right? You can, and, in, and we actually talk about that. You're, yeah. In fact, there's data now, and that's where I think the polyvagal theory is so fascinating, is that depending on your physiological state, which is basically, are you in a state of high alert and threat, or are you in a state, a physiological state of safety? Mm. So sort of are the, the sympathetic fight or flight going, or are you feeling safe and you can connect and restore and repair? If you're in a physiological state of high alert and threat, it actually changes everything from the muscles in the you know your middle ear, you know, so that you hear different frequencies more effectively, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in high alert, you're going to hear low frequencies and high frequencies. Low frequencies are anger, high frequencies uh, someone's hurt, instead of the sort of more neutral frequencies. So in other words, your ear gets tuned to sift out threat. Right. Your brain, the blood flow shifts from the forebrain to the hindbrain so that you are now more reactive and the prefrontal cortex gets less blood flow so that you are less able to connect. So it's not just that you're seeing it, you're making it up. It's actually that your brain is pulling out because there's so much information that your brain's trying to perceive in a moment. But now it's going to pull sounds out and it's going to be looking for signs of threat when you're in a high alert threat state. When you're in a sort of that safety state, which we talk about, you're going to be looking for signs of safety mm-hmm. and proof of safety. So it's basically your, you know, have you ever seen um, that uh, video where they talk? The, um, it was big on on social media. The Laurel Yanni. So the same sound, you'd play it, and some people would hear. Fifty percent of people heard Laurel, and this fifty uh, percent heard Yanni. Mm, no, I haven't, I haven't. You have to listen. Listen. It's really fascinating. It's the same sound, and like I always hear. Laurel and the rest of my family hears Yanni. So that became a way of us saying, you know what? I used to say, 
oh, you know, Lona, when you said that to me, you had tone and you were angry. And she would say, I don't know what you're talking about. I had no tone. Uh-huh. I Now I say I heard tone mm. or I perceive tone, meaning I heard the same sound I heard Yanni or Laurel and you heard it, you were trying to say Yanni. So it's really fascinating. That's how our body actually works. So when you're walking around out in the world, you're going to be searching for either threat or safety and your physiological state will determine that. Well, and I love these examples. They really help drill it home. And in the nine pillars, pillar number one is self. You actually have a little section on sharing anger. Mm. Um, And I think it might be the restore method. Yeah. But can you talk about, you just gave that a great example with, you know, what you, what you heard from Alona. Uh, I heard some tone in there, um, but so how do you guys communicate with each other if you're, I don't know, um, a little upset with each other? Well, we've gotten to the point where we're now recognizing when our bodies, it's the term they talk about is mobilized, where you're sort of mobilized and ready for threat to fight. So I can tell, hey, I'm feeling more mobilized now. Or I'm feeling, we talk about under-resourced, right? I'm hungry, I'm tired, ah. you know, I've just been cooped up. So that will also affect your physiological state. But if I'm mobilized or under-resourced, it's going to affect how I show up. So I'll even say to my kids and Alona now, this happened this weekend. I'll say, you know, I'm feeling a little mobilized, maybe a little more sensitive. And I might have tone in my reaction. Or I might take things personally. So if you hear that, will you just give me a gentle reminder that that's not your intention. Wow. So you see what I'm saying? Like we come up with these tools that don't require me to always get it right, but now we're actually collaborating and supporting each other in our states versus in the past, I'd try to not be angry and that would just make me angry. Right. Or I'd try to not be tense and that would just make me more tense. But it's that starts with, because um, Rip, it, it is in the self chapter because it really starts with a self connection. The first thing that has to happen is even that awareness around, oh, I'm mobilized, you know, versus a lot of times what happens when we're in that survival mode state or that fear based mentality, we're so immersed in it, we don't recognize it. It just is who we are versus, no, I'm really in this fear based mentality state. I really am in that scarcity mentality. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not who I am but it is what I, the state that I'm in at the moment. And so that self-connection of, you know, am I resourced? Am I mobilized? And how that impacts what, what happens next is really important first step. Well, you know what's interesting is, so you guys both know my mother, right? Yes, we do. And she was love her, by the way. <laughs> just gotta say. But so constant, right? So constant and never seemed to be under resourced or any of those things. Was always kind of running at a very, very, you know, high level. And so I, I think that for for I'll just speak for myself, you know, um I marry someone that isn't like that, that is much more kind of human, right? <laughs> On so many <laughs> levels. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're exhausted and we're 
under-resourced and we can hardly speak a sentence and we've got three kids that we have to put to bed and there's dishes to be done and, you know, put the kids to bed and get ready for tomorrow and make the lunches. And I've got my own work that I have to do and you have your own work that you have to prepare for. And this is, this to me, like the tools that you just are talking about are going to be just crazy helpful, crazy helpful. Because yeah. right now, right now it's, it's not, it's not working the, <laughs> in, a, in an effective way. Yeah. And I, and that's where we talk about connection. In fact, Alona came up with this, the term nutrition, lifestyle, and connection medicine. And I think connection is so important and that now there's so much science supporting the impact of connection on physical health outcomes. And it's just, I'm getting more and more as I put more and more talks together, but connection is so important. And connection is we talk about creating a quality of connection, whether it's with yourself mm. or with other people that is going to cause not only put your body in a state of safety, it changes your physiological state from high alert to feeling more safe, but it also is the key to experiencing joy, satisfaction, and peace in your life. So for example, when you talked about you came home and you're under-resourced and exhausted, and now you're thinking about all the stuff you have to you know, put the kids to bed, dishes, dinner. We think that connection is like this big thing. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Like just connecting to yourself and saying, oh, I have a, I'm thinking about five different things to do. And I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. And I just want to take a moment for some self-care, maybe just a minute or two. Right? And you take a breath. And just right now, my guess is if you even imagine that, your body is going to start to regulate. That's the term, the need for regulation, regulation of the nervous system. So it can be dysregulated or it can be regulated. When the nervous system gets regulated, that means it's going from that fight-flight mode and it's applying the safety break, I call it, we call it the safety break, to saying, hey, you're safe. We can, we, can, we can slow down here. If you can do that, and then what's really fun is you can bring your kids in. Yeah. And you can say, hey, kids, I am, can we take just a minute to connect here? Who wants to play with me? And we'll do something in our family. We do something that's really fun. You could do it right now. We could do it right now if you wanted, where you just take a minute. Let's all check our number right now. And a 10 and we taught the check-in meter. And a 10 is like, we're, ah, you know, that's like super high dysregulation. And one is we're feeling really peaceful and open and curious and calm. So I want everybody to just check their number and notice, like, what number bubbles up right now? If I take a breath, am I up between a one and a 10? Mm. Right? So we'll do that. And we'll say, and then we'll go around. We'll say, does everybody want to share your number? Whoever wants to can. They might say seven. And then we'll do something really fun, different breathing exercises. So for example, we have one where we call trace, you know, um, we call it five finger breathing in our family, but it's basically where, and you can do it with me right now, just yeah. for just a minute, hold your hand up and you put your finger here. And as you breathe in, you trace up. And then as you breathe out, slowly trace down. And it's a slow inhale. And then an even slower exhale. And again, nice and slow. Number four. And one more time. 
I also like touching myself too. That's yeah. that's that's very that's very relaxing. It is. It's 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 soothing, and it yeah. stimu- All of this is stimulating and sending messages of safety to your central nervous system. And then you go in and check again. You say your number can be lower, can be higher, can be the same. But even the act of checking your number yeah. is sending messages of safety. So then we, but we'll do that with the kids where I'll trace her, my daughter's finger and she'll trace mine. Mm, mm. And then sometimes we'll do all 10. But do you see how now on the couch you have a tool? So instead of figuring out what to do, which is what we spend most of our time doing, strategizing, what do we do? We're focusing on how to be, mm. how we're going to connect in the moment. And then what we do will naturally happen because afterwards you're all connected and you say, whew, I feel so much more calm. I feel more resourced. What do we want to do about dinner and, you know, in bedtime? Anybody have ideas? Yeah. And now we're working as a team instead of Rip having to do it and figure it out all on his own. Yes. Yes. That, that is, that is magically brilliant. Um, you guys also talk about a thing called the, the duck meter. <laughs> uh, for example, like clearing the dishes and doing the dishes. Talk to me about the duck meter and how we can incorporate that into our lives. Yeah. So a lot of times when we talk about the duck meter, we get the faces of like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Then how does anything ever get done? And I think we don't realize the impact of doing things out of obligation. Um, So many of us say yes when really our heart is saying no. And over time, we suppress the no's, suppress and repress. And that takes a physical toll too. It is an, it uh, stimulates an inflammatory response in our body that over time leads to chronic disease. That's really important just to name. Um, but in that obligation, we also build tremendous resentment toward other people. Um, and you know, the stories that build in our head. And so there's a really big toll around saying yes, when you don't really want to do that. Mm -hmm. And so we have come up with a tool in our family when we kind of sense that there's a no behind that. Yes. To check in and just say, Hey, how many ducks is it? And what you're imagining, you know, Marshall Rosenberg talked about this. He's the founder of nonviolent communication. Um, and, uh, he talked about the idea is seven and above. Like you want to imagine you're a kid feeding a duck and the joy that you get from doing that is the joy that you want to experience when you're contributing to a situation. And so we'll ask our family, Hey, where are you on the duck meter? You know, how many ducks is this? And if it's not seven or above, that doesn't mean they just don't do it. But then there's a bigger conversation to be had. So, you know, if if I say, hey, who's willing to help me uh, wash the dishes? And my daughters are looking like, "Eh." okay, mom, we'll do it with, you know, and and I'll ask how many ducks? Well, it's five. Ooh, let's not do it yet then. Let's let's wait a second. Right. Let's connect. Let's. Yeah. Let's take a moment to connect. Can I share with you? And then I'll, I'll share. Can I share with you, you know, why I'm asking or what that, what the, how that contributes to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'll share, oh, I'm having, you know, I'm feeling really tired and after making dinner or whatever it is that I share with them. And it's amazing how when our family hears kind of what is the story behind the request, there is a natural shift because we naturally want to contribute to one another mm. if we understand the needs behind it. 
And sometimes maybe we won't, but then we come up again, we, we focus on that connection. And when you focus on the connection, when you come from that need-based, washing the dishes is a strategy, needing support, that's my need. So is there a way to get support? Maybe it's just my daughter is giving me a hug and saying, oh, mom, you know, we're hearing that you're really tired. And just from that, you know, I feel resourced enough to say, oh, you know what? Maybe I can't actually do the dishes. So you see how like you're not attached to the outcome or that strategy of doing the dishes. You're attached to the connection mm -hmm. around a need for support. And what can that look like? And then the strategies become significantly more expansive. Right, Does that we, make sense? Yeah, because yeah. we love saying things like, I see, I make, we talk about in MDC observations, feelings, needs, and requests, O, F, N, R. So the first thing is to start with observations. And a lot of times, instead, we start, a lot of people start with strategies. I need you to do the dishes. I need you to clean your room. Right. My observation is the sink is filled with dirty dishes, and I'm worried about bugs if we leave them. Yeah, right. Now, can, can someone else, and I, then I want to connect. And I'll say to my kids, hey, I'm really you know, worried about the dishes. I, I want to get them done, but I'm not really feeling like doing them. Can you tell me back how you imagine I'm feeling right now? Hmm. So now I'm helping them even give me some empathy. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, dad, you're probably feeling a lot of pressure, a lot of weight. You got to do, you know, and then we connect around that. And then after we do the, I'll say, oh, you're playing your video game right now. My <laughs> guess is you're really having a good time. And the last thing you feel like doing is dishes. And they're like, yeah, you got me, dad. I'm like, so you don't want to do dishes. I don't want to do dishes tonight. How are we going to get these dishes done? Let's just leave them. And they're like, okay, great. We'll leave them. And I'll say, all right, but what about the bugs? Um, you know, and they'll say, oh, I didn't think about the bugs. Okay, well, maybe we'll, you do play your game. I'll do my thing. And then 30 minutes from now, we'll check back in. Maybe we can do them together in 30 minutes or something, or mm -hmm. I don't know, but let's, let's come back. But you see what I'm saying? Like, if, and you can't do that very well if you're under-resourced and you're like, I got to do dishes. I got to put the kids to bed. I got to, you know, all this work to do. So connection starts to get challenged when we schedule, and this is where it's choice. When we choose to schedule ourselves in a certain way that we have so much to do that we don't see a way to have time to connect. Yeah. And I just want to add one more thing because sometimes when people hear that, they're like, oh, that's such a, such a weight to even have a conversation like this over washing the dishes, which takes five minutes. But if we play it the other way, so I end up washing the dishes, I'm under-resourced, I'm feeling resentful, I then have tone with my kids or anger at my husband, you know, the toll that that takes and then our disconnection and then how do we repair that disconnection? That takes a really, that takes a huge burden on your energy and time also, and just on the back end instead of the front end. And everybody says what they're doing isn't working anyway, right? We still have challenges. We're still, you know, so what we're, if what you're doing is not working, why not try another way? And the dishes is just an example of anything. Because mm -hmm. I might say to the kids, you know what? I'm willing to do the dishes tonight, but I'm feeling pretty stretched. What do we do about the dishes tomorrow? Because I don't really want to cook for all you guys and then have to clean up all your dishes too. Yeah. So can we come up with a plan about the dishes that's different? Tonight doesn't matter so much. What are we going to do in the future? And I do that a lot. Same thing with candy, right? Or junk food. I might say, you can eat candy, you know, whether you eat it today or tomorrow, you know, tonight or not, isn't going to make or break your health. But what happens tomorrow when you want it again? And then the next day again? 
how do we navigate your need for health in that way? Yeah. And then have them contribute to that discussion. Does that make sense? Yeah, this is really good stuff. And I can tell you that there's, there's very few things that feel as good as when our whole family, there's five of us, three kids and my wife and myself, when we're all in the kitchen after a meal, like getting after it. So somebody's emptying the dishwasher, somebody's washing the dishes, somebody's sweeping the floor, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, clearing the table, whatever, but it's a team effort. And that feels like brilliant. Doesn't happen as often as we'd like it to. And like, to your point, it's like, okay, we got to do these dishes. Who's going to get in here and help me. And it's always, it's always one of our daughters. It's like, I'll help. And my son, you know, I mean, it'd be like, no, nah, no, thanks. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, it ain't happening. Very right. rarely. Well, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. So when everybody does them together, it's really important to share how that affects you. Oh, we because do. Because your son doesn't want to do them if he thinks he has to. Yeah. yeah. And your son doesn't want to do it if he thinks his needs don't matter compared to his parents' needs. Mm. So there's an element of building trust and saying, hey, I know that dishes are not fun right? I get it. But one, maybe we can make them fun. Mm -hmm. Can we sing? Can we tell jokes? How about one person does the dishes while the other person is reading jokes from a joke page on, on the internet? And we're doing it together. My guess is if you did dishes that way, where because to me, it's not about the dishes. It's about everybody caring for each other yeah. and supporting each other and all of our needs mattering. So my guess is if he sat on a chair and said, Dad, I hate doing dishes, but I'm happy to connect with you. Maybe I can do this while you're doing dishes. Would you enjoy that, Dad? And you probably say, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, but no, I'm not doing the dishes alone. So that's a, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Let's let's talk about family and friends. It's it's pillar number six. You talk about vulnerability and being vulnerable, which I think is it's so important. And I know that when people open up and, and get vulnerable to me, it's like an invitation to just like to connect at a much deeper level. And we're, and we're coming back to that word again, connect, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Right. Which is so, so important, but uh, just to toss it up there for you guys, uh, Alona, you, you guys talk about the example of you having some growing pains with boundaries around homeschooling with, uh, with, with Kylie. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I struggle with boundaries. I've always been binary on boundaries. Either I'm lax on them or I've had enough. And then I, there are harsher boundaries of enough. That's it. We're done. Um, and this notion of warm boundaries where I can still take a moment to self-care and um, honor my own needs as well as care for those of my children has been, I mean, has really made life wonderful. It has felt so expansive. Um, and so the same thing around the notion of homeschooling or when the girls go at it and, and you know, they're fighting or, um, you know, uh, whatever it is, it's that ability to say, hey, this is what I'm coming from that needs based consciousness again. Hey, I'm, uh, you know, sometimes it's I'm needing help with my homework and I'm needing to 
you know, I, I have work that I need to do as well, or I have dinner that I'm making, or this is not an opportune time. Where, how do we meet together, mm-hmm. you know, where there can be some um, ownership on, on uh, I guess, where I matter to, where she matters to, and where we can communicate those things. Where And that's what needs-based, the power behind needs-based consciousness. If I can come with my need, my need is X, Y, and Z. I'm needing uh, more self-care. I'm needing rest. I'm needing... Um, uh, consideration here. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, needing financial security. I'm choosing to do work, whatever that is. And she comes back with what she's needing. Now all the needs are on the table. We both get that impression that we're, we do matter to one another. And then what are the strategies? How do I support homeschool? How do I support this argument? And how do I also support the other, you know, five or six things that I'm holding and working on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You talk also about like life's uh, life serving agreement versus conventional uh, agreement. And is that kind of exactly what you're talking about right there in that example? Right. Because, you know, a Again, it's that binary like agreements. We either agree to it or we don't. We have to hold that agreement no matter what changes in our lifetime. You know, it's not dynamic. And then at that point, it doesn't, it's no longer life serving. It's again, it goes back to that obligation, back to that resentment, back to saying yes when really it has changed into a no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what is the backlash of that? Right. Because if you, it comes down also to, most people can hear and know, which is what a boundary is, right? If they trust that you care. So if, if you can say no with care, it's much easier, right? And if you can say, you know, um, say, you know, here's why, here's why I would love to say yes, but here's the need that's getting in the way of me saying yes right now. Let me, can I give you, right. let me give you an example and, yeah. and, and you can expound on it the way you are. So my daughter was, is going to Washington DC for her uh, school trip, right? Two days before she wanted to go to a friend for a sleepover. Do you know what happens when a 14 year old goes to a sleepover with another friend? They don't sleep. They stay up all night and then they're just a grump for the next two days. Right. So that's the example I'd love for you to use. Here we go. Cause, that's we, perfect. cause we, we want, we had to say, no, you cannot go to your friend's house two days before going to Washington, D.C., because it's going to be a disaster. Exactly. <laughs> maybe, so but maybe that commit. wasn't the best way to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to point fingers, Rip. But, uh, <laughs> but no, but I think if your intention is to get your way, you're not trying to connect. Here's the key. We're not saying, we're not talking about permissive parenting either. Yeah. My needs as the parent are not going to be overlooked either but I'm going to connect about my needs and then we're going to strategize later. And I'm also going to take time to hear your needs before we strategize. So if I come in and say no to something right away, they're do all they're doing is trying to meet their needs as children. Everybody, all we do is try to meet our needs. So if you come in with a no, you're basically saying your needs don't matter. Mm-hmm. So right away there's disconnection. And if they're used to that, they're not even going to want to talk to you because they're going to be like, as soon as dad talks, he's going to try and tell me to stop doing something that's meeting my needs. Right. 
So they're going to avoid you, not respond to your texts or calls, try and say, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't know, <laughs> sorry. But really, they're trying to get their needs met and maintain their autonomy. That's a really important need for children is autonomy. Yeah. And their response in that binary way is I'm either going to submit or I'm going to rebel. And that's what we see. We talk about the terrible teenage years is they've submitted for as long as they can for when they were powerless, when they depended on you. And then they get to a place where they can take care of themselves, where they have a stronger voice, where they can be more self-reliant. And then they rebel and they rebel hard and big. Right. Because they can't rebel when they live in your house. But if they stay at their friend's house and avoid being at home, all of a sudden now they're like, wow, rebellion works. And it's not that it works because they really desire connection with their parents. Yeah. This is like that people don't, I don't think people realize this. When I talk with teenagers, they all long for a deeper connection with their parents. They don't trust that that can happen or that their parents are going to care about their needs. So they avoid it. But it's not their preferred, it's not their preference. So with that example, I would say, I would say to my daughter, which what's her name? Sophie. Sophie. So I would say so, and especially if I haven't done this in the past, I'm trying to bring in NVC into my family. I would say, hey, Sophie, I know in the past I've come right with a strategy and told you what you should or shouldn't do. I want you to know that even if this is going to be hard for me. With you, you know, if you if you happen to be grumpy over the next couple of days because you slept over, building trust and and maintaining your choice is so important to me that I'm I'm willing to endure that in the end. But before we decide yes or no, can we try this new way of connecting first about your needs mm. and my needs? Would you be open to that? And you see how right away I'm now trying to connect to her and I'm lowering her resistance because I've told her I I'm not taking her strategy off the table. Mm. But I want to put it to the side while we focus on connecting and doing this a different way than we have in the past. How much work is involved? And I'm speaking for myself. I'm not opposed to, you know, work and digging in, but to to really getting this nonviolent communication style, is it something that you just have to practice it and practice it and like kind of understand it? I mean, how long did it take you guys before you felt like you were you were doing it consistently and doing it well. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. get back to you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's a couple of things. It's to me, it's like learning a new language. And immediately, as you start to build the vocabulary and fluency, you get benefit. But you will continue to build that and grow that and enhance that over time. Um, but yes, if you put the time in, if you're going to reap the rewards. I happened, and I also came to the table with lacking a lot of the skills. So I was sort of, I would say, way in need. Mm -hmm. Some people already have a little bit of sort of NVC consciousness naturally. I mean, I started, I had three feelings, good, bad, and angry. That was my vocabulary. And good and bad aren't feelings, right? So that to me was what I was starting with. So I had an uphill battle, but I was within the first month of like really implementing it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I can't always do it in the moment. To this day, I can't do it in the moment, but I could see the value. And I said, I want to be able to do this. So to me, that's when I started on the NBC certification path, which took over four years and was by far harder than even learning to be a doctor, 
right? Because doctor is all cognitive and intellectual memorization, things like that. This was a connection between the head and the heart wow. and really growing that. But it's by far the most rewarding skill. So my point is I wouldn't, I would, I would encourage you, I wouldn't feel discouraged that if your intention is to connect, you can get there pretty quickly. I think it's like a plant-based diet, right? When you shift over to a plant-based diet, some people do it a hundred percent and some people make gradual changes. And even if you make the gradual changes, you see, you know, small things can have impact. And it's that same thing. When our daughters, when we were first teaching our daughters, that whole needs-based consciousness, everything was, that's not meeting my need for respect or consideration. That's what we had, no matter what it was, that doesn't meet my need for consideration or that doesn't meet my need for respect. Um, and over time, their vocabulary has grown. One of the things that you know helped us at the beginning was we have a feelings and needs sheet in the book mm -hmm. is to print that out or copy it, put it up on your refrigerator, put it around your house and start just noting that vocabulary. And it, you'll be amazed because it's so rewarding and it's so rewarding so quickly how self-motivated you become to learn more. And you have to be, you have to say that I care more about connecting than getting my way. Mm. As long as we always say, as long as it's not health or safety. And even then, if it's health or safety, demanding, making demands or getting my way is a last resort. So it's on the table because I'm not going to be permissive around health or safety, but I'm still going to put the time in to be where demands is my last resort instead of my first resort. Hmm. So how long have you guys been actively engaging in this NVC as a family? We, I would say um, a solid five years of like really digging in. We read it and when I first read it, I tried to learn it as like I did my medical studies where I just read it. And, and I'm like, after, I remember re, it was an audiobook, and I listened to it. Like, I'm like, this is great. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And I would do, I listened to it four times. I, I, but I, in the heat of the moment, I didn't, couldn't use it. Right. I would forget everything. And I would go back to my old way of doing things. Cause I didn't practice. Like to me, it's more important than understanding all of the rules intellectually. It's starting to get messy in ex experientially. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather you not get the words right and get the intention and, and be willing to get in there and make a mess. And you know how many times, I was just telling Alona this, I remember when we first started, I was like tripping all over myself, you know, trying to use the words and going slow. And sometimes I couldn't figure it out, but the intention was there. And in fact, that created a connection, even though I was messing up the words. Right. I gotta tell you though, Rip, that I see the benefits, like I, I've seen them over the course of time, but just, I was telling Matt this morning, we had the girls were going at one another and everybody's been a little bit under-resourced in our house over the last week. Um, and, you know, just sitting with them and saying, hey, we're all under-resourced. Our shakes, we talk about a shake, you know, having a full shake, having an empty shake. Our shakes are a little bit low and empty. It was amazing how quickly they were able to reconnect just having that vocabulary, having that um, mm -hmm. awareness, you know, or the other day I was taking a walk with Kylie and she saw that I had a lot on my mind and she looked at me and she said, mom, is there anything that you want to share so you don't have to hold that alone? Mm. I'm like, if she's 11, I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. You know? So, cool. so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how, how old are your girls now? 
So Kylie's 11 and Jordan is nine. Wow. I mean, I think what a gift to be giving your children to have this kind of this, this language, this connection um, that they're going to have with whoever they, you know, all the inter interactions they have throughout their life. I would imagine it would help with their friends, with their teachers, with their, you know, um, probably grandparents, you name it. Yeah, no, they're, it's, it's by far the, the most important thing I've ever done, not only for my health and well-being, but for my marriage and, and my relationship with my children. I can't imagine what it would be like without that. And it's it really is doable. If this is important to you and your relationships are important to you, then you then this can this can work. And I think it's really important for children because the empowerment and the agency that they receive from having that language and knowing that they matter, um, it really is it, it it helps them flourish and thrive. You know, in the same way that a plant based diet does. Right. We have we have all sorts of tools too around, for example, repairing. I think more important than getting it right is learning what to do when you don't get it right. Mm. And how do you repair the connection? And I think a lot of problems happen when we don't repair and we sort of let it go and then we go on. And we don't do that in our family. We will repair disconnection. It might not happen in the moment. They might say, hey, can we talk about this later? But we repair and there's a process for repairing that's very different than saying, I'm sorry, do you forgive me? That's not repair. We don't even use the word sorry. Oh, wow. Right? So it's very important to repair the connection, not to con you know, confess your wrongdoings and ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So that's a, there's a lot of these changes, but like I said, it's, it's, it's so, so valuable. I mean, Jordan just today was really upset. She's the nine-year-old. And we were, again, alone until there's some health stuff going on with one of, with Kai, with one of our older daughters. Or our older daughter, and we're sort of making some changes in the house, right? And we're like, we got to do some things differently for health. So we're, we're a little bit intense. So I'm a little bit mobilized, right? So she's picking, Jordan's picking up on that. I'm making changes and I'm focused on strategy before connection. And Jordan came and she said, and she had a little bit of um, you know tenderness or tears in her eyes. And she was like, dad and mom, I want to tell you something. I need a hard hug. And I really want you not to get defensive about this. <laughs> And a hard hug in our family is this is sort of the code word. I think we talk about it in the book, right? Around needing, I need empathy. I don't want you to fix anything. I just want you to hear me and don't don't try and defend yourself or anything. And she told us, um, you're telling me to do this and you're telling me to do that and you're changing this. And I'm, I feel like I'm going to explode and I want to just run out of the house. And because we can hear her without saying, without saying, oh, what are you talking about? Or explaining ourselves. We can just say, ah. Oh, Thank you so much for that gift. And we actually call them a gift for telling me what's not working for you. It's such a gift that you tell me when your needs aren't being met and you don't hold that alone. Mm. And I'm hearing that you're feeling overwhelmed and you're hearing a lot of strategy and there's not enough connection. And you'd like to really have some more space and time and choice around changes. And she's like, yeah, dad. And you saw her whole body soften. And that was it. Right? And then she even she leaned into the strategies that we had going in the first place, but she was in choice now. Right. You know, and that was super empowering. So that's the point is that you don't actually necessarily have to let go of of what those strategies are. But there's a difference when somebody's coming to them from a space of choice 
or when they're coming because they feel forced or obligated, you know, to, to do that. Wow. I think our whole family needs a deep dive into this. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, like, so your the name of your, uh, your practice now is we heal, right? right. So if, 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 if people are interested in learning more about the nine pillars, NVC, all these things, what's the best way for them to connect with you guys? Yes. Yeah, so if they go to the website, wehealthhealth um, they can, they can find more information. They can connect with us. We can, we have classes, you know, individual sessions, support groups, things like that. And what's really exciting is um, we've been talking with Scott Stoll, you know, Scott, right? Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. he um, really also sees the value of nonviolent communication and bringing that into the healing picture. So he asked us to come and do a workshop um, at this, the plant, plant-based nutrition health conference in September. Yeah. So we're going to be doing a workshop, basically first talking about connection and connecting it to physical health and showing people some of the data and then showing them how to apply. And he also wants to bring it in for medical students on their plant nutrition platform for medical students, right? To me, it's, we just got to start getting it out there. And I'm so excited that there's so many people like yourself and Scott who are embracing mm -hmm. This, we weren't sure what was going to happen with the nutrition community. Are they going to say, everything's nutrition? Why are you talking about this other stuff? But for us, it's so clear, not only in the data, but in our lives, that connection is essential, not just a nice to have, but essential for optimizing physical health. So we're, we're really touched by people like you who are embracing this and then saying, hey, having the humility to say, I, I want to do this. I'm not doing this and I want to. You know, maybe I even need some help. You know, how can we do this? Yeah. No, this is, it's like, uh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, one, you know, one of our, um, we do a role play. It's on the resources on our website. I love role plays for learning. And in fact, yeah. that's how we do a lot of repair too. After we reconnect, we'll say, we'll call it a redo. Can we do that same situation but let's do it again. And we actually, like, let's go through everything. We're not just talking about it. We're actually doing it again like it's a live situation. Sometimes we'll do reverse role plays. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I'm going to play you, Kylie, and you play the dad. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she'll say, wow, afterwards, that's hard being the dad. I'll say, I know. <laughs> you know? But like, this is ways, again, it's all about restoring the connection and us all trusting that we care about each other and want to do it differently, even if we show up in a moment in a way that's less than desirable. So we do on the website, we show an example where the mom played the teenage son who was using the devices more than she thought was healthy. Mm. And the teenage son actually happened to be in the audience and gave approval that we could do this role play. So I played mom, she played the son, and we talked about how to, we show how to connect through, through these challenging situations that can be handled so differently. So I love role plays. And I think that's one of the best ways to learn. So I recommend that people take a look at that um, and, and just practice. Like even if you can't do it in the moment, come back and redo it. Well, and you've got a lot of great resources in, in the back of this book that I know I'll be digging into like activities to reduce stress, for example, right at the top of them. Uh, and um, 
And it's not about being perfect too. I want pe yeah, people to think yeah. some, I'm, they probably think that about you too, right? Like you're genetically different. That's why you can eat this way or, you know, like there's something, but I, you're, Rip's not like a normal human being, right? Like he's like a superhero. He can run and eat and, you know, just something genetically different, right? I don't think that's the case, right? We just, we put our heads down and we try and do it and we get back up when we fall off the horse, right? We're not living a perfect diet or lifestyle. And I think that's the key is that it's not about staying on the path mm. for the rest of your life. It's about knowing where the path is, being able to identify when you're off the path and knowing how to get back on the path. Mm. And to me, that's success. So life is wonderful, has nothing to do with always being happy or always being on the path or all of your pillars being in balance. We look at the nine pillars like nine children mm. and, you know, we're tending to them all. They're never going to all be OK where we don't have to worry about them anymore. And we care about them all. And sometimes one child needs more help than another. But we're they're, they're there and we're doing the best we can in the moment. And that's yeah. how I'd love people to look at this is this dynamic, lifelong journey. Yeah. And, and since we didn't get into all the individual pillars, I just want to go through them really quickly. Uh, so pillar number one is self. Pillar number two is, do you want to say it? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, nutrition. Yes. Number yeah, number three activity. Right. Number four play. How many of us, as we get older, forget how to play? Right. So sad. And actually, that makes me want to read the the uh, the quote you have on one oh seven. Actually, you know what I'm gonna do? Let me do this. So just to kind of as we're closing out uh, our our time together here, let me let me read the uh, the quotes you have for each one of the pillars because I love it. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to start with, uh, self and, um, this is it. We are, and then you guys feel free to just chime in before I go to the next pillar. Okay. Okay. Sounds so the self is, we are so accustomed to disguise ourselves to others that in the end we become disguised to ourselves. Fran Francis de la Rochefort, something like that. <laughs> uh, isn't that isn't that the truth? Yes. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. crazy. All right. Next, uh, this is uh, pillar number two is nutrition. Those who think they have no time for healthy eating will sooner or later have to find time for illness. Edward Stanley. Hmm. And we all we <laughs> we all know that's the case, right? Uh, number three is uh, activity, and um, there we go, right here. Take care of your body; it's the only place you have to live. Jim Jim Rohn. <laughs> uh, really, I mean, such so simple, but so profound. This is what kind of led me to this was play on page 107. We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. George Bernard Shaw. Yeah. Yep. You guys playing? You guys play every day? I, you know. It was one of the reasons we moved to Orlando <laughs> <laughs> for a little while is to really play with the girls for a bit. Oh, right. you mean like going to Disneyland? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we we go to Disney World so much. Disney I think Alona likes it just as much as the kids. <laughs> so it's good for everybody. Nice. Um, have you been to Universal uh, with Harry yeah. Potter and all that stuff? 
girls are big Harry Potter fans, as am I. So, yes. <laughs> uh, sleep, right? Pillar number five. The best bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. <laughs> e. Joseph Kossman. Um, family and friends, 161. The strongest love is the love that can demonstrate its fragility. Paulo Colo. <laughs> hmm. um, That's the gift of vulnerability. It, it is, isn't and, it? Yeah, and it is a gift that keeps giving. And, and we can see that if we show up with vulnerability, so often we receive the care, the support, the love and vulnerability back, you know, a, a deeper connection. Yeah. Uh, pillar number seven is work. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we are living our fears. Hmm. Les Brown. And, and just like, tell me what that means to you guys. Yeah, I think in that fear-based mentality, we talk about that in the book, the fear-based scarcity mentality really constricts our life and limits our possibilities. And it really prohibits us from living our dreams or even imagining our mm. dreams. Yeah, I mean, I look at you guys, for example, and the, the path that you guys have taken from your concierge you know, wellness to then Whole Foods, and now, you know, leaving behind Whole Foods and doing what you're doing now, um, because it, I mean, let's face it, I mean, it probably would have been very easy to just stay with Whole Foods and, and do your thing, but you guys decided that you wanted to explore some different modalities and, and stuff, and I mean, there must have been a fair amount of fear there uh, in breaking free like that. Yeah, it's, it's really is scary to leave that routine that's sort of a sure thing, even if you're it's, you know, Whole Foods was fantastic. It was a wonderful thing. Loved working, you know, loved John Mackey's vision. Yeah. But at the same time, you get to, get to a certain point where you're sort of ready to meet needs for meaning and purpose in different ways. Right. You're ready to contribute to society in a different way. You have different things you want to create and different challenges. Right. So to stay at a, at a job where all of those needs are sort of raising their hands and saying, Hey, 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 are you aware? And you're like, no, no, we got to worry about, you know, getting paid every couple of weeks. And we got to worry about, you know, what do we, you know, what if that doesn't work and how are we going to make that work and what's going to happen? Right. Like all of a sudden you're, there's this fear just everywhere. But what's interesting is the same amount of fear. I told along this the same amount of fear for that I had when I'm leaving is the same amount of fear I have now if I thought about going back to a corporate job where I didn't have the same ability that I do now to create and ideate and grow and develop in this very different way. So it's not even it's not even specific to Whole Foods. It's just hey, do I want to go into this big you know big huge corporation or do I want to try and create something small and exciting and right? To me, that's really telling. Yeah. And I ask people. We'll ask people. How much of your life would you change if you won the lottery right now? And it's really interesting if people can say like nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'd be pretty amazing. Other than maybe I'll go on another, you know, a couple more trips or something. But you know, I mean, substantially, what would you change about your life if you won the lottery when you woke, you know, what would change? 
-hmm. other than your bank accounts, you know, having a couple extra zeros. No, I'd be hanging out with the same friends. I'd be doing the same work. I'd be contributing to society in the same way. That's pretty powerful to shoot for that. Yeah. I, I look back on my life and, you know, the journey that I've taken from being a firefighter and like if when I think back, okay, what if I had never left firefighting, something that I loved and adored do, to go and join forces with Whole Foods and be a healthy eating ambassador for Whole Foods for a decade. I mean, and all the growth and all of the, sure, discomfort that went along with that, but all of the uh, um, <laughs> the the learnings, the gratitude, um, everything that I got because of it. And then now, having left Whole Foods and striking out on my own and, you know, starting all these companies and food line and stuff, it's just, um, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. And um, there's, there's another quote. You guys have so many good quotes that I just, <laughs> but, but, and I, I, I probably will find it here, but let's move on. So pillar number eight, spirituality, uh, your sacred space is where you can find yourself over and over again. <laughs> and so what do you guys, how do you guys find yourself? Where's your, how do you do that when you're feeling a little like uh, lost or under-resourced besides the, the five finger drill? Yeah, the, the five finger drill is great for regulating so that I get out of that fight or flight mode so I can actually check in with myself. What am I, and that's where NVC is so helpful as a foundation to be like, what am I feeling right now? What are my needs right now? A lot of people aren't clear or not sure how to discern feelings and needs. And that's the first place I would start. Yeah. For me, um, the practical side of that, of that centering, I love to journal. And in that journaling, really letting kind of what's inside unfold um, is really helpful for me. Going outdoors I notice an immediate just decrease in mobilization when I can, you know, be outside and soak in sunshine and take a deeper breath and look out and see green. Um, so those are two really yeah. fundamental practices for me. And spirituality for me is really about connecting to the fact that we're all waves in the same ocean. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's connecting to this sense of it's expanding what the self really is. Right. So there's self, which is me. But then there's sort of like, you know, the self with your kids is almost part of you where giving to them almost feels like you're giving to yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? Imagine if we could expand that even broader to our neighbors and to the community around us and then to other countries. That to me is a big part of spirituality is how do I expand my sense of self and that create that interdependence? Because in the end, in NBC consciousness, it's really clear that I can't win if you lose. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. All of my needs can't be met at the expense of yours. That consciousness to me is, is part of that sort of speech, spiritual awakening. The last one, and it kind of ties into to what you said, Alona, is the natural world, uh, pillar number nine. In every walk with nature, one receives far more than he or she seeks. That's John Muir. Um, I know I need to get out into the forest 
at least once a day. <laughs> yeah. 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 And part of that is, again, connecting to that interdependence. You know, in our in that little cubicle of work, I can get so tunnel visioned and to be able to go outdoors and to be able to get that peripheral vision and to be able to connect to something so much greater than just me. Um, there's a healing in that. Yeah. So I'm going to finish with this quote here. And it's this chapter It's called It Can Be Different. Let us help you. And the quote is. Although no one can go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. Carl Bard. Good stuff, you guys. Wellness to wonderful. Your fifth book. Can you guys believe it? Number five. I mean, each one of these babies is crazy. You know, just to review for people, your first one was the Forks Over Knives plan. Then you followed that up with Forks Over Knives family when you had your two little daughters. Forks Over, uh, Forks Over, oh wait, no, then it was the Whole Foods Diet and then the Whole Foods, uh, the Whole Foods Cookbook. Yeah, and we had, uh, oh, oh, we yeah. wrote Keep It Simple, Keep It Whole. That was the first, right? Which our is little pamphlet. Our little, <laughs> our little starter book that gave people the, the Cliff's Notes, we thought, to nutrition. That's right. So this is number six. Number six, yeah. Incredible. Wow. What a, um, so how, how tough was it writing this book? How collaborative was it? <laughs> this was a I mean, Alona led the charge and without her, nothing would have come to fruition, but, uh, it was, this was, I mean, pulling in so much information, distilling it down, trying to make it accessible. You know, I mean, this, there's a lot of material in here and it was intended to be a short, book and it just there's just so much to address that it was yeah i mean how was it for you um it was very rewarding to be done but it was <laughs> a long process uh, yeah i mean it's a real culmination yeah. of you know of of all of our work so far so matt that was really nice the way you asked alona how it was for her see look <laughs> at that see i mean these these skills that we we all need empathetic and respect <laughs> and all that nurturing, loving. It's wonderful. Just like you guys. Uh, thanks so much, Matt and Alona, for coming on the, the Plant Strong podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys and what you are putting out into the universe. And I'm going to be there to support you guys all, all the way. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much, Rip. Yeah, we really appreciate your openness and your just ongoing support and encouragement. Super, super grateful. Yeah, you know it. All right, you guys, can you hit me up a little plant strong fist bump on the way out? Boom. <laughs> See you guys. Miss you. You too, right? See you, Bye, Weheal.health is their website and home base for all of their programs. And their latest book, Wellness to Wonderful, is a gem. We'll be sure to link up to this book and all of their resources in today's show notes. Thanks for allowing me to cultivate deep connections with all of you. Together, let's go from wellness to wonderful. And as always, keep it plant strong. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and 
Sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. The Plant Strong podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.